Nazis and Reptilians in Antarctica, uncovering the truth through remote viewing. The Farsight Institute has just released the results of multiple remote viewing sessions focusing on the true history of Antarctica in terms of a breakaway German colony established there with the help of extraterrestrials during the World War II era. The remote viewing sessions were conducted using a rigorous blind scientific protocol developed by Dr. Courtney Brown and the results were, frankly, very impressive. The consistency of the results with what whistleblowers and insiders had previously revealed and the additional details they provide about the events that occurred in Antarctica leading up to and including Admiral Byrd's Operation High Jump expedition from August 1946 to February 1947 makes the remote viewing data very helpful in reaching a more accurate understanding of our history. Dr. Brown provided two targets to five remote viewers who were not given any details about the targets, so they could not front load their own biases and opinions about it. Here is how he explains the scientific protocol used for all remote viewing sessions. Quote, blind conditions for all remote viewing data. All remote viewing data for this project as with all projects conducted at the Farsight Institute, was conducted under totally blind conditions. The viewers were told nothing about the project or specific targets while they were conducting their remote viewing sessions. They were only instructed that there is a target and that they should remote view it. End quote. In the Antarctica remote viewing sessions, there were two targets that the five remote viewers would focus on. Target 1. Quote, the most advanced Nazi base in Antarctica, circa the end of World War II. Target 2, the most significant battle between the Nazi forces in Antarctica and US forces, circa the end of World War II or after. End quote. It's important to emphasize that the five remote viewers were instructed to focus respectively on Target 1 and Target 2, without being told anything about either target. It also needs to be pointed out that it is not unusual to get remote viewers to focus on historical events in remote locations. CIA documents obtained through the Freedom of Information Act confirm that the CIA hired remote viewers to gain intelligence on events on Mars as far back as one million years ago. Clearly, those within the intelligence community appreciate the importance of remote viewing data to better understand events that transpired decades, centuries, and even millennia ago. In the two-part video series that has just been released, Dr. Brown provides his introductory remarks to each target and what the five remote viewers found. At the end of each segment of five presentations, he gives his own summary and analysis about each target. The following trailer introduces the two-part video series that spans four hours and what was discovered. In part one, the five remote viewers presented their data on what they had witnessed. They all described seeing large artificial structures in a remote, cold, snow-covered mountainous region, 
saucer-shaped craft were sighted in the vicinity and several remote viewers witnessed them either landing or proceeding into a large underground facility that was accessed through a mountain entrance. One of the underground facilities was a large urban dwelling, dwarfed by even larger industrial manufacturing areas nearby, all connected by a transportation system of some kind. The five remote viewers all described seeing humans and extraterrestrials interact in various situations and those key individuals in command positions. The attitude of the humans was a mix of fear, anger and arrogance. The extraterrestrials had an attitude of superiority, dominance and boredom in working with humans. None of the remote viewers explicitly mentioned Antarctica or Nazis. However, the descriptions they gave of the location and people involved for Target 1 were clearly indicative of both. While there were some variations in reports of the area, structures, humans and extraterrestrials, each of the remote viewers witnessed collectively, they provided impressive details on Target 1, quote, the most advanced Nazi base in Antarctica, circa the end of World War II, end quote. Dr. Brown provided his analysis and summary of what the five remote viewers had observed in relation to Target 1. Quote, What we found out is that there was a huge Nazi presence in Antarctica at the end of World War II. Moreover, they had help, extraterrestrial help, and in fact, very surprising extraterrestrial help. Clearly, the Nazis could not have established a powerful military presence in Antarctica without outside assistance. The environment was just too inhospitable. So they got help, but we ultimately found out that they got help from two very different extraterrestrial groups. End quote. One of the extraterrestrial groups helping the Nazis was reptilian, while the other group was a human-looking group working with both the Nazis and reptilians. The remote viewing data aligns closely with what William Tompkins said he and members of a covert naval espionage team stationed at Naval Air Station San Diego during World War II was told by nearly 30 Navy spies embedded in top aerospace corporations in Nazi Germany. The spies revealed that reptilian extraterrestrials had helped Hitler's regime establish a base in Antarctica during the war and guided the Germans to precise locations where they could establish a large base. Admiral Donitz's impregnable Shangri-La from which the Germans could one day rebound from their impending military defeat in Europe. Quote, the German submarine fleet is proud of having built for the Führer in another part of the world a Shangri-La on land, an impregnable fortress. Tomkin's testimony is backed by multiple insiders and historical documents that I discuss in detail in Antarctica's Hidden History, Corporate Foundations of Secret Space Programs, published in 2018. Therefore, the remote viewing data is an additional source of evidence supporting claims that the Nazis had established a breakaway colony in Antarctica which continued operations well beyond World War II. The five remote viewers next proceeded to Target 2, again without being given any details of what they were looking for. 
This time, the five witnessed large aerial battles over the remote mountainous region in a cold, snowy terrain. One side of the battle possessed flying saucers coming from both outer space and from undersea locations that were piloted by a mix of humans and extraterrestrials, while the other side comprised conventional aircraft piloted exclusively by humans, a number of naval ships and ground forces. The side led by humans was described as military in orientation and behaviour and possessed aircraft, ships and ground troops. Before the battle, the leader of the human side was confident and determined to fulfil his mission of finding and destroying the underground facilities of the other side, the secret German Antarctic base. The results are consistent with what is known about Admiral Byrd's Task Force 68, which comprised 13 ships, 33 aircraft and 4,700 US servicemen in Operation High Jump and the secret orders he had been given to find and subdue any German bases in Antarctica. Given memories of the comprehensive military defeat of Nazi Germany, it's understandable why Byrd and his expedition would have had high confidence about their chances of success. The remote viewers described the excitement and glee of the extraterrestrials whose craft were technologically vastly superior as contrasted to the craft of the human, US Navy, pilots that were courageous but quickly became despondent as the battle progressed. The remote viewers described the extraterrestrial craft as possessing laser weapons that disintegrated both the human aircraft and ground forces advancing towards the German base. The remote viewers described a very one-sided affair where the flying saucers both toyed with and destroyed all the conventional aircraft. One of the remote viewers, Aziz Brown, no relation to Dr. Brown, compared the battle to what was depicted in an episode of the popular sci-fi series Stargate SG-1, where invading extraterrestrial spacecraft were met by human-piloted US Air Force fighters. In contrast to the genuine battle depicted in Stargate SG-1, Aziz Brown reported the battle he witnessed in association with Target 2 as a massacre. The remote viewers described the aftermath of the battle and the attitudes of the respective leaders. The commander of one of the extraterrestrial flying saucer craft was in a very celebratory mood, while the human leader of the losing side was devastated. Several of the remote viewers described the top commander of the flying saucer craft as a very tall, powerful reptilian who was ecstatic with the result. There is one historical photo showing a downed US Navy airplane that crashed during Operation High Jump. While the Navy asserted that the downed craft was an isolated accident, according to the remote viewers, Antarctica was strewn with such debris from the destroyed aircraft and routed ground forces. Dr. Brown again provided his analysis of the data at the end of part two of the video series. Quote, who have now seen all of our data regarding the Nazis in Antarctica and their extraterrestrial allies. To be honest, it is not too surprising to see that the Nazis found support from the reptilians. End quote. He went on to explain the dynamics of the evolving relationship between the reptilians, 
the Nazis and the US military as a result of Operation High Jump. Quote, The reptilians had no long-term interest in the Nazis. They were a means to an end. You see, by helping the Nazis with their Antarctica base, they gained two things. First, they gained a small but dependable slave military force that they could dispatch wherever they wanted, even off-planet in the future. But second, and this is a really important part, they could scare the daylights out of the American military and political leadership. You see, it was clear at the end of the Antarctica battle that the Nazis could use their new aircraft and weapons to challenge the entire US military. Indeed, the US military would be powerless against such a technological advantage. Why then did the Nazis not actually do it? Why did they not actually invade the continental United States and blow the US military out of the water, so to speak? Well, it's simple. Their reptilian allies did not allow it. The reptilians didn't want the Nazis to control anything. They just wanted the US military and political leadership to be so frightened that they would agree to absolutely anything in order to get some of that advanced technology. End quote. Brown's analysis is consistent with insider reports that the Nazis and their extraterrestrial allies allowed most of the naval ships of Operation High Jump to escape the destruction inflicted on aircraft and ground forces. The ships and surviving personnel would be able to return to the US and warn national security leaders about the new enemy in Antarctica. Indeed, Admiral Byrd revealed some of the truth when he stopped in Chile and gave an interview where he referred to significant casualties and a new enemy that the US would have to face. Quote, Admiral Byrd declared today that it was imperative for the United States to initiate immediate defensive measures against hostile regions. The Admiral further stated that he didn't want to frighten anyone unduly, but it was a bitter reality that in case of a new war, the continental United States would be attacked by flying objects which could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds. Admiral Byrd repeated the above points of view resulting from his personal knowledge gathered both at the North and South Poles before a news conference held for International News Service. End quote. This takes me to the second group of extraterrestrials helping the Nazis that participated in the aerial battle witnessed by the five remote viewers. Dr. Brown said, quote, What is most surprising is that some of our data suggests that some support for the Nazis came from a group of extraterrestrials who we know as the Pleiadians. Now understand that we have a much broader view of the Pleiadians at the current time. They were not all of one mind during that time period. Moreover, the Pleiadians now seem to be thoroughly upset with everything that some of their kind did with the Nazis back in the day. In general, we have found that contemporary Pleiadians are good people who want the best for humanity, all of humanity. End quote. Dr. Brown's comments here are puzzling, since none of the remote viewers mentioned Pleiadians helping the Nazis. All the remote viewers mentioned were human-looking extraterrestrials helping the humans, the Nazis, 
in the underground structures and the subsequent battle in the remote, cold, snowy, mountainous regions, Antarctica. According to the available literature, the human-looking extraterrestrials helping the Germans describe them as coming from the Aldebaran star system in the constellation Taurus, not the Pleiades constellation. This was made clear in the psychic communications of Maria Orsic, who established the initial contacts with the Aldebaran extraterrestrials that kick-started the development of the advanced spacecraft that would eventually be incorporated into the secret weapons programs of Nazi Germany and taken secretly to Antarctica. Is Dr. Brown simply mistaken in his assertion that a rogue Pleiadian group helped the Nazis? Possibly, but it's worth pointing out that according to Elena Danan, who claims to be a Pleiadian contactee, there is indeed a rogue group of the Pleiadians that are working with reptilians. She describes them as coming from Alcyon, one of the solar systems making up the Pleiades constellation, and also asserts that they have long been helping the Cabal, a.k.a. the Deep State. Quote, they named themselves Tal Shi'ar, and named their planet Tal Ihara, orbiting around the star Alcyon. They tried to build their own little empire from there. I think that was quasi-impossible regarding to the overpowering threat of the Orion and Sakaar, aka Draco Reptilian, empires. By opposition to their brothers, Tigerians, the main Pleiadian group, they did not join the Galactic Federation of Worlds and instead allied with malevolent groups. They are involved in the misdeeds of the Cabal on Terra, aka Earth, and are a painful disgrace to the man races. They also gave a world in the Alcyon system to a reptilian presence. End quote. The information provided by the team of remote viewers working with Dr. Brown gives rich insights into historical events that took place in Antarctica around the end of World War II, the establishment of a secret German space program in underground locations, and the assistance to the Germans by both human-looking and reptilian extraterrestrial groups. The remote viewing data provided by Dr. Brown and his team of well-trained remote viewers following a rigorous scientific protocol, provides a highly valuable means of intelligence gathering on esoteric topics and important historical events involving extraterrestrial life. The data provides answers to many important questions while also raising further controversial issues to explore. Most critically, remote viewing data helps us sidestep the blanket suppression of information about the true history of human extraterrestrial interactions implemented by national security forces in all major countries. For these reasons, Dr. Brown and his remote viewing team deserve our thanks and support. This has been Dr. Michael Sala with Exopolitics Today. I have two announcements. First, my new book, Space Force, our Star Trek heritage, becomes available this week. It's available in both paperback versions and electronic Kindle versions. You can find more information on my website, exopolitics.org. My second announcement is that my next webinar is going to be held on May 22nd. It's going to be titled 
Antarctica, the Dark Fleet, and Humanity's Liberation. And I'll be going into considerable detail on all of the evidence on what has been happening in Antarctica, which goes far beyond what was revealed in my 2018 book on Antarctica's hidden histories. Again, more information from my website. Thank you for listening and subscribing to my Exopolitics.